Okay, session two, depend on God. Yes. So, so far we've looked at pursuing godliness. Uh, session two today we're going to look at what it means to depend on God. Uh, and as usual, we begin with the first question. What's the most dependable thing you've owned? What is the most dependable thing you've owned? A vehicle. A vehicle? What type of vehicle? Any, any particular type was more dependable than any other? Toyota. Toyota, okay. <laughs> All right, anybody else? The most dependable thing you've owned? Bicycle. Bicycle, okay. A watch. A watch, all right. <laughs> Anyone else have something dependable they own? My memory. Your memory? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Okay. All right, you definitely own that. <laughs> okay. All right, let's look at Bible meets life. Okay, someone go ahead and read it. It's great to have the right tools when you need them. Those things you can always rely on to get the job done. But what if the job is just to get through life? What can you rely on when you face a challenging decision or everything seems to be going against you? Some people rely on a horoscope or fortune teller to guide them in dealing with the daily struggles of life. Some people rely on alcohol or other drugs as a way to cope with challenges. Some people just look in the mirror and say, I can handle this myself. Some people let chance make their decisions. They gamble by flipping a coin while ignoring the words on that coin, in God we trust. People may rely on these things as a way to cope, make a tough decision or face a challenge, but these things are far from dependable. King Asa gave us the right model to follow. He knew and understood what it meant to fully depend on God and turn to the, Him first when facing an incredibly overwhelming challenge. Okay, so people do what? Uh, what did they turn to? They turn to horoscopes and fortune yes. telling yeah. to get to guide them. Uh, alcohol or drugs as a way to cope with challenges. I don't understand how that works. <laughs> you know, uh, when you look at what the Proverbs say about uh, drinking alcohol and how it makes you feel, and the guy says, I can't wake up to get another drink, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. To them it does. Why drink that stuff? <laughs> yeah. And then some people say, I can handle it myself. And then there are those who flip a coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Far better way is to fully depend on God. That's the most reliable way and the most successful way to depend on God. What is the point? God is greater than any challenge we face. God is greater than any challenge we face. So deep down we know God is greater than anything, anyone or anything in this world. By far. But when the problem is staring us right in the face, like overdue bills, a bad medical report, a rebellious child, it's hard to see beyond the problem. King Asa faced an army twice the size of his, but he still marched forward, as we'll see. And as he began to move, began moving forward in prayer, God moved on his behalf. Prayer helps us, prayer helps us to remember and depend on God, who is truly greater than any challenge that we could ever face. 
How many times do we resort to prayer first before we do anything else when faced with challenges? Sometimes people get on the phone and they call a friend. Uh, rather than go to God and say, Lord, how are you going to get me out of this? Okay? And even if you haven't talked to God in a long time, you know, um, there's no reason to be reluctant. Like one fellow said, Lord, I haven't bothered you for 25 years. If you get me out of this mess, I wouldn't bother you for another 25 years. But see, it's not a bother. Sometimes that's the problem. We often think that we are bothering God when we go before him with problems. And we look at it, the situation holistically and we say, boy, this world got so many problems, God got so many things to deal with. My little, little, little thingy, that's nothing. You know, but God says, cast how many? All. Oh. Did he say some? No. Or the ones that you think you can't handle? No. He says, cast all your cares. And as far as I know, God knows how to use the English language properly. <laughs> and all means all. Not some, or not being selective. Okay, before we look at the passages, let me give you the setting. The kingdom of Judah had enjoyed a period of peace due to King Asa's instituting an extensive series of religious reforms. He had removed the paganism that populated the nation's spiritual environment and restored worship of Yahweh, the true God. King Asa also hardened his city's defenses and organized his fighting forces. However, Judah's tranquility was eventually broken. A new enemy's approach forced Asa's realm into war. Asa, however, faithfully continued his reliance on God for strength. Let's look at the first passage we have, Second Chronicles 14, 19, 11. Who want to take that one? Manzir. The Cushite came against them with an army of one million men and three hundred chariots. They came as far as Marisha. So Asa marched out against him and lined up in battle formation at Zephatal Valley at Marisha. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, Lord, there is no one besides you to help the mighty and those without strength. Help us, Lord, our God, for we depend on you. And in your name we have come against this large army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let a mere mortal hinder you. Keywords, the Cushite, verse 9. The identity of the Cushites is uncertain. Some believe them to be Ethiopians, Nubians, located south of Egypt, while others believe them to be a Bedouin, Bedouin group living near Judah. King Asa and the nation of Judah had experienced a time of peace, and the people had accomplished much good work, but the winds of change were coming. No one ever wants to go into war, but this battle especially looked like one Asa and his army would want to avoid. It would have been far easier for them to stay within the newly fortified cities, but that's not how battles are won. Asa didn't back down, didn't back away from the overwhelming odds in front of him. He and his army of 580,000 men, 2 Chronicles 14, 8, lined up and headed into battle. We know little about his opponent, Zira the Cushite. Cushite is usually identified with Ethiopia, and Zira's army may well have been made up of mercenaries fighting on behalf of Egypt. 
With an army of one million men and 300 chariots, we can easily assume Zira and his men would not have been afraid of attacking an army around half their size. Anyone looking only at the odds knew Asa was seriously outnumbered and would probably face a devastating defeat. But Asa didn't let Zira's large army deter him from the task at hand. They marched forward into unfamiliar territory to take on an army nearly twice their size. Why? Asa had more than just human strength on his side. Asa had learned much from watching his father's success against Jeroboam, king of the northern kingdom. Asa's father, Abijah, had faced Israel's army when it was twice the size of Judas, 13 and 3. But Abijah acknowledged allegiance to God. But as for us, the Lord is our God. We have not abandoned him, verse 10. And indeed, God was with them. The Judahites succeeded because they depended on the Lord, the God of their ancestors, verse 18. Asa had learned from his father that God is available to help no matter how big or small the challenge ahead may be. Asa knew the outcome of their battle with us was not going to be determined by man alone. So he cried out to God in prayer. He praised God for who he was and his consistent availability to help both those in positions of power and those who have no strength in themselves. Because Asa knew nothing was impossible for God, he asked God specifically to help him by providing the might and strength they needed. Lord, you are our God. Asa declared his allegiance to God as his father had done. In declaring this, he committed himself and his armies to God. He declared that the battle and its outcome belonged to the Lord, the one against whom no one could stand. We're not going into battle like Asa was facing, but we face challenging struggles every day of our lives. Many of those challenges confront us with odds that are not in our favor. Many of those battles and challenges look like impossibilities for us to overcome. Many of us would rather just stay within our own walls and pretend like the battles are not even there. In those moments, we need to follow Asa's example and cry out to God who specializes in the impossible. God is there to help us, just as he was there to help Asa. It doesn't matter to God what size the battle is. His desire is for us to cry out to him who is, who is our all-powerful advocate. The first step in any battle is to come to grips with the battle that is before us and acknowledge that we can't do it alone. When was the last time you cried out to God about any crisis or challenging situation you are facing? Take some time to be alone with God and in those moments of quietness, cry out to Him, talk to Him, share with Him about your struggles, your challenges, and the battles that threaten to consume you. Trust Him to help you just as He helped Asa. Okay, look at verse 9 again. Then Zira the Cushite came against them with an army of one million men and 300 chariots. I think it's the first time in scripture we read of an army that size. Yes. One million. That's a lot of people. Okay, um, there's a parallel story in, in modern times that uh, I want to share. Uh, that shows us that God is able uh, to be able to 
uh, respond to such challenges that we face when we, when we bring them before him. Sometimes we attempt to take these matters on by ourselves. Uh, when problems of any size arise, believers should call on God. In May 1940, the British and other Allied armies, French and Belgian, found themselves facing a terrible military dilemma. At the French port of Dunkirk, over 400,000 of their soldiers were surrounded by an overwhelming German force armed with tanks and bombers. However, the German high command inexplicably had stopped their army's advance. Many British politicians wanted to negotiate a deal with Hitler. However, Britain's, Britain's new Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, absolutely refused. Instead, he ordered the Royal Navy to begin a rescue operation, and a call went, went out for watercraft big enough to cross the English Channel to help evacuate the trapped soldiers. Large numbers of brave English sailors heard his call. Between May 26th and June 4th, hundreds of civilian fishing boats, pleasure yachts, and other craft, all known as the little ships, crossed the channel to help rescue the would-be doomed soldiers. Working together with larger ships of the Royal Navy, they successfully rescued more than 338,000 troops. King Asa and the Kingdom of Judah were up against a similar predicament. However, unlike the British and the Allied soldiers at Dunkirk, they had no option of escape. They had to stand and fight. And even though they had made preparations for war, they did not place their ultimate trust in those preparations. They prepared, but they called on God also. Okay, and uh, someone said, when you're faced with a challenge, do everything that you can as if it's dependent on you. Trust in God as if everything depended on him. And that's exactly what Asa did. They prepared and they said, Lord, we've done all we can, now the rest is up to you. <laughs> and that's the challenge that we have. Uh, it doesn't mean that we had to sit back and say, oh, woe is me. I'm doomed, I'm done, I'm cooked. <laughs> no, you do all that you can, that God has given you the ability and the wisdom and the foresight to do, and then call on God and says, Lord, I am trusting you. you you've allowed me to do what I can with the, with the resources and the ability that you've given me, now I'm depending on you to do the rest. Uh, so we see that the national identity of Zira and his army was uncertain. The ancient kingdom of Kush, equated with the kingdom of Nubia, was located with south of Egypt. The invading army may have been better than Arabs. Uh, they, put, they, they, they were the ones who ride rode on camels. So they had a big camel force. Others suggest that Zero was a general of a garrison of mercenary troops under the command of the Egyptian pharaoh to guard and defend Egypt's, Egypt's northern border. Okay, uh, but notice, Zero had a million soldiers, literally an army of a thousand thousand. Sometimes we can't calculate that, we can't comprehend that. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some say it was a hyperbole. Uh, that it was so many, it was it was impossible to count the vast number. Okay. Uh, but uh, it was a tremendous army, and it was intimidating, to say the least. Question number two. When have you felt like the odds were stacked against you? When have you had an encounter or a situation where you felt that the odds were stacked against you? You were thinking, boy, there's no way I can get out of this. <laughs> Anybody? Task. Hmm? Completing the task. Completing the task. Okay. <laughs> Anyone else? Um, one time I had this matter in court and um, the lawyer, she actually even made me cry before court. Wow. Because she's just terrible. She didn't even have no case. But then I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I said to the Lord, you know, I, I did what you said. I did all that I could. And I said, Lord, you know, the rest is up to you. And then when I was in court, I just, it was like an out-of-body experience. I just felt like I was floating above. I wasn't even doing the talking. Mm -hmm. So it was amazing. And then we were successful with the case. But it was like, wow, um, you know what I mean? I didn't even feel like I was the one talking. I was, I felt like I was floating above. Because you committed it to the Lord. Yeah, so I mean, I... That blew you away. What's that? <laughs> that blew you away. It blew me away because she actually made me cry. This girl, she talked to me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> You cried in court? No, no not before, in court. Before, before that. Before. Oh, before. Before you went to court. I had to go to her office because you have this thing called discovery where you have to see what they have and they uh -huh. see what you have. Okay. She talked to me so hard. <laughs> and I'm not even that easy to cry. <laughs> I was like, but this is the stretching, the beating, and the pressing. Mm -hmm. You have to go through these things in order to move you to the next level. If I didn't cry and if I didn't, you know, need the Lord and all of that, then I wouldn't be stretched to the next level. Yes. Because if you're right in that comfortable place where yes. nothing is happening and everything is good and you don't have to go through nothing, mm -hmm. you're not going to be stretched. No. So I, I was like, wow, Lord, I can't do this. <laughs> I, but I know you can, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I have the best lawyer in my office working with me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I know I'm straight. I just mm -hmm. need to trust. <laughs> Wow. Well, further explanation on, on, on how, how successful um, Aza's reliance on God was. Look, let's look at digging deep on page 114. Mm -hmm. Solomon had prayed that the Lord would hear the people's prayer in the hour of battle, Second Chronicles 6.34. This invasion illustrated an aspect of Aza's faithfulness, namely his complete reliance upon God. Uh, Aza's prayer is appropriate for the occasion and in keeping with Solomon's advice. The Lord is called upon as the one who could help the powerless against the mighty. The strong as well as the weak need the Lord's resistance to gain victory. Assistance, Assistance to gain victory. Get that? The strong as well as the weak need the Lord's assistance to gain victory. In this situation, the appeal is to the Lord to help the weak. Asa's appeal was that as he relied on the Lord and in the Lord's name against the vast enemy of the Cushites, army of the Cushites, so may the Lord be not allow the enemy to prevail against him. 
the Lord. This is a standard of theological, the standard theological approach of the chronicler, that is the writer. The war was a holy war, and the victory must have been assured when the Lord's people relied on him, however small Israel's forces may have been. And we see this happening even today in modern times. Yes. How many times have, been, have Israel have been outnumbered? And the odds have been so stacked against Israel that people were thinking, oh yeah, Israel is it. It's, it's gone. <laughs> Israel is finished. You know, and, uh, and all of a sudden the Lord came through. Yes. And there were times when the Israelite uh, uh, army had their, their fighters sleeping in their aircraft because of the tremendous threats of the enemies around them. They slept in their aircraft so that whenever the, the enemy approached, they could just take off. Uh, but we've seen God over and over and over come to Israel's defense, just like he did with Asa. And so that should be encouraging to us to call upon the Lord. Uh, Asa prayed, he cried out to Yahweh his God. When Asa declared, there is no one besides you, he was affirming God's uniqueness in all the universe. In other words, Lord, there's nobody else I can call upon but you. Yep. You're it. Yep. If it's not for you, we're done. Asa perceived himself and his army to be the weak one in dire need of the Lord's help. He nonetheless proclaimed with great faith that nothing is beyond God's capability. God can do anything but fail. That's right. Asa proclaimed that he and his army trusted and depended entirely on God. And God came through, didn't he? Yes, he did. As you mentioned in our day, remember the six-day war? Mm-hmm. Oh, you remember when they were um, hijacking every plane that go? They hijacked his really plane into Uganda. Mm -hmm. And they went and took that out. And they lose two people. The present prime minister's brother and the lady who was sick and the king they took to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And think about it, Israel is in rejection of God, yeah. but God does not reject Israel. No. And it reminds us, the scripture says, even when we are not faithful, God it remains faithful. faithful. And so Israel can do all kinds of nonsense, but God promised his covenant people yes. that he will protect them. Yes. And God don't break covenants. No, he doesn't. When we as individuals, notice when the note says, when we as individuals face the tough issues of life, we must find, first turn to the Lord for our strength. This is one reason Christians need to maintain a close, personal, daily walk with Christ. If you don't have a personal daily walk with Christ, you need to get one. Question number three. What does dependence on God look like in the daily routine of a believer? What does dependence on God look like in the daily or the day-to-day -day life of a believer? What does that dependence look like? Faithful. Hmm? Hopeful. Hopeful? Okay. Faithful? What else? Prayer. Trust. Huh? Praying. Praying. Okay. 
How does the day begin? Prayer. Prayer. How else? Lord, what's the word for the day? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Lord, what's the word for the day? You talk to God, prayer, and then you listen to what God has to say. Reading the scriptures. Uh, God may direct you by the Holy Spirit to particular passages of scriptures for that day. And you may not know what it's really all about until later on in the day that you say, Oh Lord, now I see what you were talking about. Or oh, I see what you were preparing me for. Dependence on God. But isn't it so awesome though that you actually have someone that you could actually lean on and say, you know, Lord, you know, help mm-hmm. me with these things. Some mm-hmm. people are like, they're like struggling and then it's so easy, but they don't want that. They don't want to go turn to the mm-hmm. Lord and put him in any kind of place in their life and it's just like, wow. That's right. But it's so easy and it's free. Some people, I guess, I always <laughs> say, I think some people believe free is no good or something like that. <laughs> like, that mean, that's yeah. But and then there's a voice that says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Proverbs 16, 3. You know, uh, you begin the day and uh, you wonder how the day is going to go. God says, you don't have to wonder. You just commit your plans to me and I'll take care of the rest. You know, and so every day as I go through the day, I begin the day by doing it. I commit the day to the Lord. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to face today, but I commit my plans to you because you promised me. I say you got to remind God of his promises. That's what God wants you to do. Remember Moses and all the great patriarchs? One of the things that they did was they always reminded God of his promises. God wants us to do that. Because he wants us to take him at his word. And so I remind God, Lord, you promised me. And so as I go through the day and I'm successful at this, I said, Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. Because you promised and you were faithful in keeping that promise. And throughout the day, I do that. Throughout the day, constantly throughout the day. Whenever I encounter, I have this task to do, I have a list of things to do today and I commit it to the Lord. And when those things come through, I said, Lord, thank you. You did it again. Lord, thank you. And throughout the day, throughout the course of the day, and at the end of the day, as I'm driving home, I said, Lord, thank you. You gave me another good day. Yes. You promised, you promised, and you kept your promise. I've been successful at all. And if I haven't been successful, I said, Lord, then it was not your will for me to be successful at that. Yeah. All right. So God, this is what it looks like. Uh, dependence looks like in the life of the believer on a day-to-day basis. Trusting God. Next we will see the results of Asa's dependence on God in this situation. Uh, 2 Chronicles 14, 12 to 15. Who want to take that one? So the Lord routed the Cushites before Asa and before Judah, and the Cushites fled. Then Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar. The Cushites fell until they had no survivors, for they were crushed before the Lord and his army. So the people of Judah carried off a great supply of loot. Then they attacked all the cities around Gerar, because the terror of the Lord was on them. They also plundered all the cities, since there was a great deal of plunder in them. They also attacked the tents of the herdsmen and captured many sheep and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Asa and his army left the protection of their fortified cities to face an army twice their size. They had declared their commitment to God and had cried out to him for help. They acknowledged they could not fight this battle in their own strength, but were depending on him. What did God do in response? Instead of preventing the battle, 
God brought the opposing army to Asa and his army. <laughs> Why didn't God enable Asa and his army to just avoid the battle altogether? Couldn't God have simply won the battle for them without having them to march off to face their enemy? God absolutely could have won the battle for them without ever requiring them to take a step. But God chose to put them in a position where they would have to act on their faith. By marching off to face the Cushites in battle, Asa and his warriors had to trust completely that God would go before them. Their trust in God went beyond words. They had to demonstrate that trust on the battlefield. That trust was seen in fighting an army twice their size in an area likely unfamiliar to them. But God was with them and he wanted them to totally depend on him as they faced this bigger than life challenge. Their trust was in God, but they still had their part to play. They had to go to battle in order to secure the victory. This step of trust and simple obedience led to a glowing defeat of their enemy. This victory was not just over the enemy right in front of them. They also attacked and defeated all those associated with the enemy in all the cities around Gerar and seized a great deal of plunder. Asa and his army not only won every battle they faced, but their rewards from those battles were enormous. Animals such as sheep and camels were a sign of wealth and prosperity, so capturing these from the enemy would have dealt a severe blow. But this was a double blow because these cities and herds were likely a part of the Cushites' army supply line. By capturing all these, Asa ensured the enemy was thoroughly devastated and could not attack again. When Asa and his army marched into battle, they trusted God even though they didn't know what the outcome would be. Perhaps they were willing to die in their obedience even as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to do centuries later. When facing death in a fiery furnace, they proclaimed, If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Daniel 3, 17 to 18. The Judean army under Asa may have pictured something totally different from what the Lord had planned, but isn't that how, often, how God often works we trust in him for victory from our challenges and battles, but we assume he will follow the plan we've laid out. However, God's victories often come in unexpected ways. When we give the Lord our battles, challenges, and impossible situations, they become his, and he will give us the victories according to his plans. Only after God had finished giving them full victory were they allowed to return to Jerusalem and the safety of their homes. When we face challenges and impossible situations, our greatest desire is to stay at home in the safety of our familiar surroundings. But God wants us to face those battles head on. It's only when we face those challenges and battles head on that we can see just how mighty and strong our God is. 
when he gives us the victory, then and only then can we return home to share the victories God did in our midst. While God gives the victory, he still expects you to march into the battles with him by your side. Depend on God's strength and might as you face each challenge. And when God brings the victories, let others know about it. Share your victories with your words and by your example, be an encouragement to others as they face their own challenges and battles. God is awesome, isn't he? Yes. You know, I chuckle every time I read verses like, and Judah carried off a great supply of loot. You know, when I heard loot, I, I often thought that was, a, that was a terminology that the criminals came up with. But the criminals even use godly terminology when they talk about we need to get that loot. All right, so it's, it's interesting. Uh, but notice the time in verse 14, the terror of the Lord was on them. The terror of the Lord. These actions were part of the holy war being waged by the army of Judah. The terror of the Lord was a feature of the holy war. The terror of the Lord seized Israel's enemies and resulted in panic among the enemy. They started squabbling among themselves. They didn't know whether they were going left or right. They were in confusion. That's what the terror of the Lord did. The men of Judah destroyed all the villages around Gerah and plundered them because of the holy panic. God can bring holy panic. Yes. If we trust him and commit our cares and our concerns and our challenges to him and watch and stand by and watch and inflict holy panic among those who are trying to get on our case. Question number four. When has God led you through a challenge that was beyond your own ability? Anybody? I agree. We are yours, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> when, when, when some of these lawyers from these other friends come, I say to myself, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> because the thing is, I'm not fighting these battles. I, you know. You've got God on your yeah. side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring it. <laughs> Anybody? When has God led you through a challenge that was beyond your own ability? Uh, um, um, some reason I have always kept in memory of scriptures, a passage which Cody said, if you should be taken for the law, do not think about what you're going to say. Uh-huh. Keep your mouth shut. And in the time, the spirit will Okay, all right. <laughs> Let the spirit move on your behalf. Yes. I would like to share too. Mm. Um, I was looking for something that is valuable and I look up and down there you see kept it, it was not there. So I said, well anyway, let me go and report it. So they told me, said, um, you have to go to the police station and report it at the store that I would made to the police station in my life. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I really didn't want to go take that road. So anyhow, I went home, I followed the form. And the Holy Spirit said, so I said, now let me, I wonder if I should go to Elizabeth State Police Station or go to Woodford. So the Holy Spirit said, don't go to, to Elizabeth State um, Police Station. 
say go to the place first and the person who served me was walking in the door. And I say, I remember you serving me. I said, did you see my car? Did you give me back my car? He said, yes I did. I said, yeah, I remember you giving me back the car. And um, I said, but they say we call you all. So he said, okay. So when I went in the back, he came back and he was waving the my party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was about a month. It was I didn't I couldn't find it. Wow. So mm. that's when you depend on God. Mm. Mm. So just for them because they know I was in the end of there anyway. No. That's right. God is able. Yes. When King Asa was faced with the prospect of having to do battle with an overwhelming force, he made prayer a priority. That's a good time to make prayer a priority when the forces are overwhelming and there's nothing that you can do. Asa and his army were willing to die in their obedience even as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were willing to do centuries later when they faced death in the fiery furnace. And we see that verse that we read. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of lazy fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. They knew who they served. Yes. And they knew what he was capable of doing. Yes. And they also knew that whatever he did was well done. Because they said, even if we don't if we don't rescue us, we know that you're doing the right thing on our behalf anyway. Okay, uh, question number five. How has God answered your prayer in an overwhelming way? How has God answered your prayer? in an overwhelming way like he did with Asa, King Asa. Anybody? Basically, when the road hits the road, <laughs> you have a very humble and sincere as what you're saying master. When you get through, leave it there, crawl away, <laughs> Good day, wasn't it? Call away and forget it. You've done everything that you possibly can do as a human being. And whatever will happen then, you have to be satisfied. Yes. Amen. Like okay. Look at verse 18 as we wrap up here. God is bigger than all my problems. Right now in the battles, challenges, or impossible, impossible situations, big or small, that you are currently facing. What battles are you currently facing in your life? What challenges have stacked the odds at two to one against you? Are you facing impossible situations and see no way of obtaining any possible victory? Mm -hmm. Now read back over the list and ask yourself, 
Are these battles or challenges or impossibilities too big for God? Can any of these battles not be won with help from God, from the Lord? If we carried out, if we cried out to God about these battles, would He listen to our cries? Yes. Why would I want to fight any of them by myself when help is available from a mighty and strong God? Okay. That was a good exercise to do. I did it. What you got? <laughs> what battles? Um, the battle I'm facing is um, staying steadfast on the cross with God mm-hmm. and praying for a breakthrough for my husband. Okay. The challenges is keeping focus on the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And what I be facing that's impossible. Yes, I am facing impossible situations, but my God will give me the victory. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. What's the point? God is greater than any challenge we face. Any challenge we face, God is greater. Okay, so we want to to be reminded as we leave here today to recognize that we are totally dependent upon God in all areas of our lives. Not just in times of crisis. In all areas of our lives, we are dependent on God. Yes. Okay, uh, look at Live It Out, page 119. How will you depend on God to, to be greater than any challenge you face? Share with your group one of the challenges you are facing that, from your perspective, is an impossible challenge. Ask them to pray with you regarding that situation. Anybody got a challenge you want to share? Yes, Okay, Staria. Okay, just remember Staria's challenge. Uh, invite someone else to walk along, alongside you in a, in a difficulty you're facing. Ask this person to check in with you regularly and encourage you, encourage your continued trust in God. And thirdly, retreat. Dedicate some time this week to have a personal prayer retreat. Get away from any distractions. Leave your cell phone in your car. <laughs> Spend a few hours or a full day in focused prayer about the challenges you are facing. Okay, so those are the three challenges we have to go beyond the four walls of this room as we go forth this week. Share, invite, and retreat. Uh, Let's close in prayer. Father, help us to learn to trust in you first in every area of our lives rather than anyone or anything else other than you. Bless us now, Lord, as we leave this room, but not your presence. Continue to get glory for yourself throughout the course of this day in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.